You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. <laughs> Is that how we started? Yes, because I was holding it in. <laughs> you use like this 10 second baseline quietness to start off every time. <laughs> this time you kept looking at me because I was like cracking my knuckles and I clicked the mouse and then I laughed and you're just like giving me the evils. So I was like <laughs> holding it in whole, 10 whole seconds. You're so controlling. Um, so did you have a happy birthday? So talk, it was your birthday this week. It was my birthday yesterday, in fact. So yes, I did. I had a wonderful world. Uneventful. Which I like. And I got a fantastic gift, which, as you can see, everyone, you can all see in the background, um, is, you tell them, the... Uh, the Sims. Four. four. Because I have played The Sims since the day, the week that they originally came out, in 1992. Uh, no, 2000, when we got married and we got it that week, so... Yeah, it came out. February, it came out in February 2000. Yep. And Correct. now I'm in the fourth iteration. So it's 14 years, it's its 15th year anniversary. And if everyone wants to know, at this moment, there is a little mini-me, because I always make me and you, and that's just the way it is. I am, for some reason, telling jokes at a microphone at a bar. In a pub, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The Sims 4. So, um, do you recommend The Sims 4 to people? Oh, I have no idea. You have to be a very specific person, so I do not know. I'm not... Do you like The Sims 4? Of course. But I'm I'm that kind of Sim player that doesn't play to play. I play to build and to, let's not use the word waste, <clears throat> but let's say waste endless hours. Literally, it could be endless hours of my life sucked into this. What's the appeal of The Sims from somebody who, I can see its appeal, but it doesn't appeal to me. I don't even know if I can touch, touch on what it is. It's like, they give you the tools to build stuff. So then you say, oh, I'll build a house. I'll just throw together a little house. And then it's like, oh, oh, I have 50 choices of floor coverings and 50 choices of wall coverings. And I want that wall to be over there. And I want this wall to be, and I want the toilet to be there. And then you try it out and you let them walk around the house for a few minutes. They're like, oh, no, 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 move that door over here. Move that window over here. It's endless. And then just funny to watch these little... Does it fulfill some kind of, like, playing with toys kind of thing when you're a child? Like, the like kind when you're playing thing, with a doll's house? The thing or... that you couldn't do with a doll's house right. would be... I was good at imagination, but there's a limit. You hit the wall when you've got the Barbie van and the Barbie <laughs> and the Ken, and they're dressed to go to the beach, and you have no beach, and they're dressed to go yeah, but you could do have, something. You could get but some also, you can't it. sit back and watch them do their thing. You no, have you to have pick to them it. up, yeah. and you can sit them in little chairs by the pool, crappy little pool that you buy, which mine was just a, a dish pan. There you go. <laughs> so that was, then you sit them there, and then you have to be like talking for them, but then you have to wiggle this one because they're talking, and then wiggle that one because they're talking, and in the Sims, you can just like, click, 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 and sit here and, and see drink my tea, do. and for an hour just watch them self-destruct or be successful, and of course I always make my a painter, and she paints all the time, and that makes me paint pictures. A, a very buff black gentleman just appeared and started dancing strangely. 
Uh, why is the black bar relevant? I just noticed him come in, the black guy. Right. It's yeah. relevant because he's black. Right, but there's another guy right there, and another lady there, and a woman there. And that guy wasn't there. there when I was looking. Right. And yeah. there's a, somebody with a Mexican uh, sombrero hat. Correct. I don't know if it's Mexican, but it's a sombrero. Yeah. And I'm still telling jokes, apparently. True. About cake. What's your, mm-hmm. jo- what's your joke about? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not her. This is not, I don't have that kind of imagination. All right, so you had a good birthday. Let's yeah. get on to the podcast. How, how old were you? 31. I have been 31, yes. <laughs> that was 16 years ago. So do the math. Okay, so it is Saturday, November the 8th. This is after the show number 350. We are your hosts, Ace Scully. That's me, Sid Talk. That's you. And we. this is a podcast where we review movies. And this week's Blu-ray review is Tammy. It's a 2014 movie. You can pick it up this Tuesday, 11th of uh, November. You'll be able to pick it up then. It's rated R. Remember, it's... remember, the 11th of November. That's the day Tammy comes out. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? that was your 5th of November. Um, For people who don't know, it's a horrible holiday in England. Not where horrible. Where they celebrate some dude... Who, in his, you know, rebellious, I want my nation to be better kind of way, decided he wanted to blow up Basically Parliament. Basically a terrorist, right? He wanted not to celebrate. True. He wanted to blow up Parliament. I'm not arguing that he was a terrorist. But what I'm saying is that then the punishment is to be, like, disemboweled in front of everyone and, and then burned. Burn. And now you celebrate this by burning effigies of yeah, the but, man. But, yes, now, because no but. if he would have... Yeah, but it doesn't was... mean you celebrate by burning effigies of human beings. <laughs> we do. Think about it. Yeah, and, and if you're interested, if you know nothing about Bonfire Night, watch the movie V for Vendetta, which I didn't watch and I need to watch. I'm going to pull it out of my collection. Um, because it's like Here's a... Here's what it will be the equivalent of. If every 4th of July we um, chop the heads off of a bunch of people who were like mannequins dressed as kings and queens... Yes. Because we, our celebration would be to be free from England, which was the oppression of the You should, you should do magistrate. that. It's a good, it'd be a good visual. <laughs> no, it's rude. <laughs> Just blow off some fireworks. But yeah, if you uh, look it up on Wikipedia. Oh, think about it. Maybe us blowing up fireworks is celebrating what he didn't accomplish. Possibly. The, gunpow- the gunpowder plot is the yeah. official term for what happened. Go and look it up on Wikipedia. It's an interesting story. And, uh, you know. For it. And then look up pictures of people celebrating it, and you'll be like, ugh. Yeah, so that is the 5th of November. But V for Vendetta is my recommendation. There's only one movie about Guy Fawkes, as far as I know, and that is it. And it's, it's not a really about good it. One. Not about it, but... It's about using that concept, yeah. yeah. But, but that is, we should watch that. But it is a really good movie, yeah. So, Wachowski Brothers. So... And Queen Amadilla. True. So moving on to this week's movie, Tammy. It's available on the 11th, and you can pick it up from Warner. Well, you can't pick it up from them. You can pick it up from a store. Anyway, um, Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of Tammy. Okay. Oh, man. That's t- well, I remember a- last week when I said, next week we're going to be reviewing Tammy. <laughs> and the week before, even, when I said, next week we're going to be reviewing... Chef. Chef. Well, the, she- the week the before. The week before, before. And you were like, oh, I'm not looking forward to it. So today you weren't looking forward to this one no. either. So give us your synopsis of the Tammy. Not of my feelings, but of the movie. Just your synopsis. Okay, first. the synopsis of the movie is a coming of middle age story. Almost. She's not supposed to be middle age. She's supposed to be younger, but we yeah. all know she is. And it's 
Comment. that. Should have get off the pot. Stop bitching and moaning about your life and do something about it. Stop being the victim. Stop being a dickhead. Grow up and pull your life together. And essentially... And she, it's essentially like a road trip with a grandma. Yeah, a road trip movie. Which we've seen lots of road trip mm-hmm. movies. Uh, $5 a day is a good one too. I think that's what came to my mind. It's not my recommendation. My but... recommendation road trip movie came to my mind. Which one? Jeff... Oh, the other one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I forgot what like, it Because that's a fairly similar movie, but with dudes instead of a, you know? Uh, that one's more Because the, these road trip movies, well, let's get on to the movie here. Road trip movies, what they generally do is, it's wacky and crazy, you know, a road trip movie, you know, it's funny, but the characters have to learn something about themselves. That's what always happens. You know, even National Lampoon's Vacation, sure. you know. Uh, No. He didn't learn anything. Well, maybe not him, but his family. <laughs> learned. No, they didn't. They they learn about him. Like they they learn about each other. At the end, they're kind of more bonded together in a way because of the thing they go through. And in this, I think you're adding a little bit to Lampoon's Vacation, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> no, no, not really. Yes, we've progressed because that is a very cartoony version of these kinds of movies. So all I knew about Tammy was I saw the trailer, and the trailer's like the front cover of the Blu-ray, if you see it, where she's holding up a. Um, I fast thought it food. was a liquor store at first, but fast she's holding up a fast food restaurant to rob it with a uh, paper bag and a hat of a paper bag. Yeah, and a, and a gun. Well, it looks like a gun, but might not be. Um, and I saw the trailer, and they played Coolio's Gangster's Paradise while she's walking in slow motion up to it, and then it said, Tammy, come in summer or whatever. And I thought, kind of looks stupid. I, I don't know what it's... Oh, wait a minute. You weren't looking forward to it either. Well, I thought, I don't know even know... What that's about? She, she's a, a thief. Is that is that what you know? It sold it as though she's a thief, and you're going to watch a movie where she heists places. Is that easy? You just take. I mean, there was no other <laughs> clippets from anything. It was just that scene right. with that music, and it had a kind of a dark feel because of that music. And she's in slow motion, and then there was one joke where she says about the pies to the right, dude, right. and then I was like, okay, it's a goofy thing about a thief. That is not what it's about at all. Like. I mean, yes, there's a thief part in it, but that's not what it's about. I don't think that's thievery. I thought the trailer <laughs> robbed the movie a bit. Because if I'd have seen that trailer um, and gone to see it based on that trailer, what you get isn't that at all. Like, In fact, the person who goes to see it based on the trailer wouldn't like the movie, probably, because they're I'm going for something else. I'm not sure how you can make that assessment, but I can see... I've been, I've been outsold on trailers before. You know when trailers try and pull a bait and switch on you? They try and go, hey, wear this. But then when you go and see it, you go, oh, shit, that's not what, what it was. That's what that trailer say, does. You've been watching movies long enough to know better. Yeah, but this one very much un- undersold the movie, I thought, because it made it like, this movie's this, and it isn't. I mean... Literally, that scene is, what, a minute of the whole movie? No, it's not one minute. And none of the other parts of the movie are related to that in any way. There's no thieving. It's not a heist movie, is it? So all I'm saying is the trailer, if you saw the trailer to this movie and thought either A, I really like to see this because it looks cool, or B, I don't want to see this because it looks stupid, you should see the movie because either way, it's going to change. Lesson is, moral of the story is, what? Don't pay attention to trailers. Don't pay attention to trailers. <laughs> oh, some trailers are okay, I think, but this trailer definitely did the movie a disservice. For me, anyway. Um, now, I don't think it's a brilliant movie in any way, or shape or form. Um, and I'm not generally into like crazy comedy stuff like this. 
But I thought there was enough funny moments in this movie bait around her character that made it reasonably funny for me. So what about you? What made it funny to you? What was funny? Um, just... <laughs> It wasn't the situation so much, because they're a bit over the top for me. Like, let me like, say, it's sort of based on a woman. and I mean, she's a woman. But I mean, it's very driven from the eyes of a woman who's living her life, and then the grandmother, and the relationship to the mother, and to other women who are their friends, and their success or failure in business and marriage and life, pasts of a woman who has aged and... You know, all that. It's all from female point of view. So I'm very interested to see what you think is funny. I, I think it... I definitely think it's from a female point of view. Even though it's written by Melissa McCarthy and her husband. Like they actually both co-wrote it. And the husband came up with the idea. So it was... Uh, it, you know, it's half written by a man. But yeah, I, it's definitely to do... It's a woman's point of view movie. But... What was fun? It wasn't the situations or the character that was funny for me. It was some of the dialogue, yes. which was actually quite funny. And usually in these kind of things, and there was a trailer for Horrible Bosses too at the beginning of this movie, and we saw Horrible Bosses. And I remember Horrible Bosses was like a really hit or miss thing. Like I like some of it, and then mm-hmm. there was parts where I was like, "Oh, it's so stupid. I don't like." And this one, it was the dialogue. Was Saves it. Funny, like it was actually funny, and the the situation at the beginning where she's being fired from a job. It was just funny the way she <laughs> handled it, you know, because this character who she plays Tammy is kind of rough, and there's no stop sign. She just says what she <laughs> exactly. thinks, and just and that actually makes for funny moments. Um, there's part, you know, I don't think it's brilliant. It gets a really, it gets really bad reviews everywhere. I just had a look, like fours out of ten, four out of ten, and things like that. I think that's kind of unfair for it because sexist. I, yeah, because <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not gonna a- say, it. I'm gonna say it. It's sexist and fattest because there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna say and probably write in their review. I don't want to watch an hour and a half of a fat woman. I did see that. Actually. Yeah, and you know that that is what's what I find excellent about it. And while it's not an excellent movie overall. But it's not about her being an overweight woman. No, in fact, that doesn't really... No, I mean, it... it, it they don't you, make fat jokes. Uh, Not true, but you wouldn't know it if you're not. Minimal fat jokes. Yeah, I mean, what you, I mean what is... What I'm saying is you don't identify with them because you're not a no, fat person. No, what I mean is she's not the butt of the joke. No, I'm saying so she speak. is, but you don't identify why because you're not an overweight person. So they are there, and it's more about how you see yourself... As the fat one in the room or the overweight person and how that plays out in some of the scenes. It's not overt. It's, but it's very, it's all there. Like, but it's not apologetic about it. It's not like, oh, let's save her. It's not fucking Bridget Jones where it's like, now I'm going to take control of my life and lose a bunch of weight and get a man. I mean, it's not like that. And that makes me appreciate it and then I can overlook the few moments when you're like eye rolling sort of like uh but they're very few because I laughed the entire way through yeah, like that's, I laughed that's the point. every scene that was my point because Horrible Bosses which is another movie like a, this kind type of movie didn't I make c- you laugh all the time no I can remember thinking wow they're really trying too hard to get a laugh from this scene in fact um 
Bad Words with Jason Bateman, which we watched recently, which I actually kind of enjoyed too. But there was definitely parts of it where I was like, oh, wow, they're yeah. really trying too hard there, like, to be funny. You feel like they're sitting behind the camera or in the editing bay, and they're watching it, and they're kind of up their own ass about how clever and funny they think they are. Right. And they don't zoom out enough sometimes. Or they intentionally think, oh, my God, people are going to just hate this. <laughs> like, they're going to hate this. We've just got to do it. And the it. funny thing about this, Tammy... In what I was thinking was, oh, this is like a comedy movie that, that didn't do very well this summer and, you know, people didn't really talk about it after the week it was on. I was thinking, I'm not going to laugh at this, am I? Because it's an American comedy, which I don't really gravitate towards anyway. And it's one of those wacky ones where everybody's outrageous. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to sit down and watch this this afternoon and not even find any of this funny. It's going to be just a total bore fest for me. But I was laughing all the time, and it was mainly down to Melissa McCarthy, who I think is really funny, and Susan Sarandon, Sarandon, who I've not seen for a long time in anything. Because I don't find Melissa McCarthy that funny. I did like her in Bridesmaids to an extent, like like a limited I think she's funnier in this than she was in Bridesmaids. Absolutely, because she's not a caricature. No. She is at moments, in tiny little moments, where even a person with no stop sign between their brain and their mouth is not going to do what she did when she got fired. Like... It just doesn't play out that way. It's very written. It's very Hollywood. But it's really funny. And you're like, oh, I wish. I wish. Oh, my God, I wish. But then there are other moments where when she's being funny and genuine, and she has that sort of baseline of, like, this is actually dialogue, like a, a funny way you could be talking to somebody. And then Susan Sarandon is the kind of wacky one. That's when I laughed the most, because I was like, oh my god, she's so funny. Like, she's hilarious. And I've not seen Susan Sarandon in anything for the longest time, mm-hmm. so when she cropped up, I was like, oh, this will be fun, because she's doing something a little she'll bit She'll be, this is, my, this is what I thought, she'll be the wise, advice-giving, Morgan Freeman version of but no, Grandma. <laughs> she's this effed up grandma she who's an alcoholic. And- but she's a, she's a woman who's lived her life, and now she's older, and she's got problems with her health, and she's just like... I'm just, I'm on my way out, kind of, and I just, I can't, I can't be in this old body because my brain isn't like that. Whereas Melissa McCarthy's character is, um, more like, that was weird. Um, Melissa McCarthy's more like the, the worn out version in her mind. Like, life has just kicked me around too much, and I'm already on my, I'm already, ugh. And she's not taking advantage of her youth and all of her choices. And there's kind of like that switch around, you know, of... Like yeah. Susan Sarandon can look at Tammy and think, if only I was your age again. And then, you know, so... I just laugh. I mean, I started laughing from the... And yes, I was not looking forward to it. I thought, oh my god, it's going to be full of fat jokes. Like, overt fat jokes. They were there because... Like I said, it's an unapologetic I don't view. remember any fat jokes. I know, because you're not. No, I mean, tell me them. What were they? Every single time she defers to food instead of something else, that is a fat person joke. When she says, when her... her you mean when she's eating burgers and stuff at the... Not when just, she steals burgers. Not just that. Yeah. She takes the pie. She the takes pies, the burger. Yeah. She, her, she always defaults to the food. Always, always, always. Now, I'm not saying that's unrealistic. Yeah, I'm saying, is that really a joke? But it is a joke, because you wouldn't do that to... A thin person. A thin person's not going to go steal a bunch of money and then demand a bunch of pies. You only demand a bunch of pies because you're the fat character. That's a fat joke. And you don't think so because you're not. <laughs> like, you wouldn't see that. But she's. it's like she's doing it. It's not about... It's not like someone else saying, hey, give me a bunch of pies for my woman kind right. of thing. It's her just saying, like, 
and give me yeah, the Yeah, that would be more... Unapologetically. And un, like, fully aware that, well, it's obvious to people like me and possibly like her in real life that, uh, yeah, I'm gonna take 50 of those pies while I'm robbing you because they're really delicious and I've got a long drive. <laughs> I'm gonna take, you know what I mean? Like, so it's there and it could be easily converted into someone pointing and laughing and being like, well, of course the fat woman's gonna want a bunch of pies. That's why it's a fat joke. And I think the bit reason people wouldn't like it is there's no big, like, ta-da, love story. There's no big, like, not a big one. It's not like, you know, no, uh, actually, no one actually. comes along to whisk her off her feet or anything like that. Well, it doesn't. No, it's not like... Well, actually, considering it's like a, a big budget, it was a big summer comedy, you know, like, like they were, they were marketing it as like, you know, as your bridesmaids for this year, it's this big comedy. As far as they marketed it as that, and it, it is kind of that, because it costs $20 million to make, which is quite a lot for a comedy. It comes across more to me as like a small, like indie kind of comedy. The ones that I kind of like, like Jeff Who Lives at Home or um, not Due Date, because that's like actually a bigger one. But, you know, the smaller indie comedies. I don't discern I thought this script came across as like a more smaller movie like that, which I really enjoyed it more for that. I thought it, wasn't, it was more like Bridesmaids. Like, it didn't feel like The Hangover. It felt more like... Which, I'm proud know. to say, I've never seen. Yeah, it felt more... It felt more intimate, like, as though they... Well, But I felt like it team. was just like Bridesmaids, but a different character... Like a lady I mean, who lives down the street from them. You know what I mean? That's the kind of I mean, comedy. you could say she's almost the same character as the Bridesmaids. Oh, no, character. she's totally different. Like the obnoxious kind of... Completely different. That other woman is like, take charge, type A personality. But says whatever, like... You know, doesn't yeah, but really that's not care the about same people. character. This woman cares about people a lot. That's the thing. That's one of the things about her. We we find that out very early because she it's cares dear. for animals. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just cares. For, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's that she, in her heart, she just <laughs> she cares, and that comes through on all different things. You know, I mean, like she cares less about herself, just in life in general, than she does about everybody else. Yeah, but I, yeah, I found it funny. I didn't find it always funny. I think there were some things yeah. where I was kind of like, Ugh, you know, that I wouldn't have done that part or the part on the um, which was also a trailer, the part where she's on the jet ski. Yeah, that wasn't particularly funny. No, but that's the thing they used to try and sell the movie. That and that, which they're not the best parts of the movie at all. Like, so it's it's kind of weird because it might be my least favorite part. The funniest parts are just her with Susan Sarandon, just the situations. Those would be the best in the trailer. Like when they're in the bar and they meet the two dudes and it's just this weird night of, you know. But just in the car, there's moments where Susan Sarandon, when she says something and Susan Sarandon looks at her like, how can my granddaughter not know who the Almond brother, the other Almond brother is or not know who Mark Twain is or, and she just, but she loves her unconditionally. I also thought the dynamic between them both, there was a lot of, um, where Susan Sarandon looked at her as though I didn't know you were like, it's like, she's like, what what are you saying? Like, that wasn't what you said last time. Like when he said action, I yeah. did not think you were going to say There was plenty that. of that. And I like that because that's real stuff, isn't it? That's somebody reacting to somebody But the else. thing is, that's not acting. Unless talking about improv- improvisation where you can flick back something at them. But Yeah, it's basically how Anchorman was made. The whole thing's an improv. And then they stitch together the best parts of it, right? Well, there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, so let's move on to the cast. Melissa McCarthy plays Tammy. You know, I've only... Have we seen her... 
I've only seen her in Bridesmaids in this, to be honest. She's been on Howard Stern. I've watched her be interviewed, you know. Um, she's Jenny McCarthy's cousin. Uh, and Jenny McCarthy, like, is, <laughs> loves her, apparently. She's like, she's like, even though she's my cousin, she's the funniest thing ever, like, you know, like, she came on talking about her when she was made bridesmaids. But, I don't um, find Jenny McCarthy very, uh, authentic, so I don't know if I take her word for anything. She's uh, kind of full of shit. Kind of, yeah. She's a, she's a hawk, hawker, you know, she's a. When she's on Howard, she's, she's like a self, She talks self, very self, sexual. Self. And All the time, because she knows that's what he wants. Yep, and yeah. she's a sell, 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 sell. I've got this new show coming up, and I've got this coming up, and I'm going to do this, and I'm an author, and a host, and a this, and a She's that. on The View, I believe, now. She's also on Sirius with her own channel, or own show, or something like that. That's and why. on it, you hear that, and then I hear other clips of her, because they play a bunch of clips, and I just think, she's like a snake oil salesman. And I don't know then if anything, she, I don't know what to trust about what she's But saying. I know Melissa McCarthy is a comedian, but I'd, I'd like to see her do a serious role, because she definitely could do one. I could, I oh, could absolutely. see. Oh, it. absolutely. It'd be really interesting to see, you know, cause you're gonna, she's going to get stuck into these type of roles probably, like the, the wacky comedies. They're doing a Bridesmaids too. She'll end up, you know, it's. Not necessarily. Those are gonna it. be a, the things you're gonna see her in, but. But do you say Susan Sarandon has been stuck in drama for the last 30 years, or do you just say she's an actress? I can't even remember the last time I've seen her. That was the funny thing. I know, but I'm saying, you don't claim that about people who do dramas their whole life. You only claim that about people who do these sort of caricature things. Oh, they're going to get stuck in that forever, but you don't It's a shame sometimes, because, like, you know, Adam Sandler, you know, he does his thing, and he does his thing, does his thing, keeps doing his thing. Yeah, my favorite performance of him is Functional Love. And the same with Will Ferrell, like... I love him in Anchorman and all the crazy stuff because he is funny, but that, you know which one I mean, mm-hmm. that serious one he did, I can't even remember the name of it now, but that, the one about, yep. wor- with the words floating in the air and stuff. Mr. Something? That one was my favourite Will Ferrell film. It's like, um... An elf. Because it's a mixture. Yeah, obviously. Okay. I mean, it's waggy, but it's a mixture. Yeah, elf's, yeah, it's not as, <laughs> it's not as Will Ferrell-y as his other it things. It makes me want to watch it. But yeah, I'd really like to see her do something serious because I believe she- there is moments in this movie where she does some serious... I just don't want it to be a serious movie about a fat woman getting skinny. Because I just want to cut my brain out. <laughs> no. But anyway, I liked her in this. I thought she was really good. I didn't have a... You know? You know, she delivers the... It's, I know it's a lot of ad-libbing. You can tell. But uh, she's pretty funny. Uh, Susan Sarandon as Pearl. Amazing. I'm not a huge, like, Susan Sarandon, I mean, what, Dead Man Walking, she's very serious, and of course there's Bull Durham from, like, third, from the 80s, which and Louise. she's a super, ins- you know what, I never think of Thelma and Louise. It's the first thing I think of. I've seen it once, and I don't think I was that into it, and so I've good. never revisited again. I just, any movie that starts to get a huge amount of hype at the time, I think I always just go, like, okay, it was fine, where are you all, like, up its ass, you know? Those are like the main three things that, I mean, I don't think of Thelma and Louise. So I think of Bull Durham, which she's just like the sexy, have you seen Bull Durham? No. Kevin Costner. Um, maybe Tim. portions of it, Tim Rob- Robbins. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe portions of it on TV and never watched right. the whole thing. And in that, she's just sort of the sexy siren kind of a lady, you know, guiding a younger man through some sexuality, blah, blah, blah. And then Dead Man Walking, where she's yeah, I've seen that. very serious. Yeah. And this. <laughs> so... I was, from the minute she came on, I was like, okay, okay, she's looking exactly like a sort of a spry older lady. 
And she is. She's 68. She is, but this, she was depicted, I think, to be a bit older than that even. And right. they braided up her hair and given her some more wrinkles and stuff, you know. Just, and her, her posh, everything was just right. Like, in her, you could see in her, every time she was having a conversation with her granddaughter, this, the thing between, I'm an old lady, I'm the grandma, I'm supposed to be the responsible one, and then the reality that I've always been a screw-up, probably. I've always been, we hear a few anecdotes about bad things that she's done or that she perceives are really bad that she's done, and she's locked into this older body, and I think that she, it's almost like, I would. I was thinking, uh, did anybody get an award nomination for this? Because I think, actually, mm. she was just that good. I don't know what kind of award. Maybe not an Oscar, but something like, you know. Yeah, when uh, I read a few reviews then that, that say, oh, she's horribly miscast. They should never have used her. And I was like, wow, what the hell are you talking about? That's like perfect. one of the best things of this yeah. year. Um, and then Kathy Bates pays Lenore. And I was... It's a non-issue, unfortunately. Yeah, to she, me. She's, in, she's in and out of it anyway. I mean, it's she's not even in it that much. But while I was watching her, I kept thinking to myself... Why do people love Kathy Bates so much? Like, she just... She commits. She seems to play herself, though. She's, to me, like... Maybe you don't know who she is, how she is. Well, I've seen enough, like, where she's in, like, silly movies and then also serious movies. No, but I mean, you don't know that who she is. So how can you know if she's playing herself? Well, I've seen her in interviews and I've seen her... She doesn't seem to change... Hmm. Like, obviously, misery... I think Misery is fantastic. I don't know if it holds up to this day, but when I saw it back in the day, like it was really awesome. Like I was like, "Wow, that woman's amazing!" Like, but well, but it's a caricature, isn't it? Titanic. But... I can take her or leave her. I love yeah. Titanic. I love it. She's not my favorite <laughs> thing about it. She, you know, she's all right. Again, a caricature of yeah. a character, not just a of character. A real, yeah, like it's cranked up, boys, and this is the same. She's a business owner who's had like hard time making success of her business. And she tries to be the wise, inputting advice. I've had a hard life. Get off your ass and quit moaning and bitching. That's she exactly seems, what she says. She and comes across a bit cocky to me a and bit. a bit like, you know, I'm Kathy Bates in this movie. But is that just the character? I don't know. Because the character is that. It's possibly. But I, I, I don't know. Something about her. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't like her so much. She's one of the George Clooney. Because there are moments in certain movies where you get that vibe. Or even... Um, What's his name? Um, Iron Man. Robert Where they're Downey. so, <laughs> they're so like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, it I'm, doesn't kind of matter what I do because you're gonna I, watch. I totally get that from Robert Downey Jr. He's <laughs> like, he's Mister like up his own behind. Just, yeah, like I'm, I'm awesome. Like just <laughs> exactly. You'll see my next thing and you'll love it. You know, that's how I think he thinks. And I think maybe that's how she thinks. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is in this movie as Don, and he... You he's know, funny, though. A little bit funny. He's good, and it's great to see Dan Aykroyd, you know. Um, you don't see him much either. Nope. Like, um But he's really in it, minimally. Like, five minutes, maybe? Yes, that, yeah, yeah. Um, Alison Janney plays Deb, and she plays the um, mother of mm-hmm. Tammy, and... She's anonymous famous to me. Because she you is. Go, oh, you, know who she, you know who she is. Yeah, and I was like, wow, who is she? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, and she's... Wasn't she also Juno's mother? Juno's mother. E- possibly. Uh, but she 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 wasn't in it much either. Mm-mm. Like, most people in this movie are in and out of it. Um, like most road trip movies, 
you meet certain people because they're connected to this group of people. Yeah, and then you meet and people then they move along on the way. Quick. Yeah, because yeah, you're focused on the road trip portion of it. And then Mark Duplass plays Bobby, and Mark Duplass is the one of the Duplass brothers who directed Jeff Who Lives at Home, which we did review last year, which was I actually really liked it. There's a good little kind of indie comedy. Um, Why do you call it little versus this one? They're both the same kind of vibe. Like you got like a twenty million dollar yeah, budget compared to a half a million. Okay, dollar why does that matter? It it, it doesn't matter. Um, but I I often them? think better creativity comes out of smaller budgets. On in on these type of films, I but that's not what it sounds like when you say little movie. It sounds like you're patting it on the head. No, because like, oh, look at that no, I, I often like those better. I I I prefer it because they like something like God's Pocket. It it's not a comedy, but it's a smaller movie that didn't cost much to make at all. Yet look at that movie, you know. Yeah. As opposed to like. Some big movie that you see. Where... She was Juno's mother. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, Mark Duplass, uh, you don't normally see him on the screen because he's a director, but I think he did a really good job. He played, you liked him, right? Oh, yeah, I loved him. I think he was really super genuine. And his thing, too, is he's reacting to exactly the wackiness that's probably coming at him, like, in every scene. Like, the things that she says. Yeah, but, and, and then he knows a... he has to respond, but he's he's always taken aback, and that's his character. His character is, and he says it. My life's boring, and you're not boring. And he reacts that way, like, this is a woman, I, I've never seen anybody like this before, and his reactions are often, like... <laughs> and I also <laughs> like the correlation between the two characters of Tammy, who's with a wacky grandmother, and... Yeah, um, exactly. Bobby is with his his father is kind of off the rails a little bit and wacky like and you can't control him and exactly. it's bizarre like. and he's the um, yeah guy yeah uh, Gary Cole plays Earl and that, I thought that was a really good turn for Gary Cole because I don't normally see him like that as that I don't know what he is like in real life I don't know if he's like a trendy guy or a um a business guy or what kind of guy he is in real life but in this movie he was like a I don't know. I really bought him as this like rough kind of farm dude. <laughs> I mean, is he that in real life, the farm dude, or what? Like, I, I don't. Idea. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what Gary Cole is. I, you know, if you say, well, we got no farmness from him at all. We just got an older man who's out dude. for some fun. That's yeah. it. That's all I got from him. I didn't get rough. I got um, pent up needs to have some good a good time, and that's it. But yeah, like I said, if I think of Gary Cole, I think of him doing MK in Office Space. So I, th- I automatically think, oh, he's this kind of business type dude who wears a suit and stuff. In real life, I don't know what type of dude he is. I, I, I just don't know. Because you don't, you don't. But the thing about it, think about what you're saying. How does that relate to who they are in a movie? Because they're actors. Well, because, um, like I said, Kathy Bates, like, oh, I feel like she plays herself a lot. But you don't know. Because I've seen her in interviews, and then it, the character just comes across as like Kathy Bates. Like it, it, I don't have any. Oh yeah, she's really got herself into that character. It's just oh, it's Kathy Bates doing that. That's what I think. Like with Gary Cole, I don't know. I don't know. It, this guy that he is in this movie is that just him? Is that how he is, or is he doing this really awesome character that I don't feel is like him? Because hmm. it felt like a like a. Gary Tr- Cole was subtracted from that character. Yeah, from- but they're actors. That's what they're supposed to I know, to and that's my question. Like, <laughs> it, 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 Is are he a better actors, actor than you gave him credit for? There are actors who play themselves all the time, right? They play themselves. Like, Adam Sandler plays himself. Like, 
the comedian persona of Adam Sandler is it basically the character that he injects. But that's not him. It that's his almost comedian. is when you see him as interviewed. It's just him. It's just. I mean, that's his comedian persona. Like yeah. you said, it's not him. It's not like him hanging out in the in the kitchen cooking supper. But I think even they even becomes that. Like he, you, they even become even hanging out in the kitchen. They just Adam Sandler. Like they don't really have to try that out. There's this Robert Downey Jr. He's I see him in an interview. You could just take him from that interview and stick him in a scene as Iron Man, as Tony Stark, and it's just the same thing. Like he, he actually exudes that same thing. But you don't know if that's him in real life. You only know that from like Howard Stern show and stuff. Like you don't know really, do we? How they really are? No, and that's always the interest to me. Like, are they just? So you're saying how good of an actor they are or how crappy they are? Yeah, you know, like Paul Rudd is another one. I love Paul Rudd. Yeah, but we know he's not be funny all the time. With, if you see interviews with Paul Rudd. And see his characters, even Brian Fantana, which is way out there. It's just Paul Rudd with a mustache. Like, it, it's, he, he does his. He, well, I guess I just disagree with you that when you see someone doing an interview for a famous thing, you don't know you that see, that's how they are. Whereas you see life. Daniel Day Lewis, and I've seen Daniel Day Lewis in interviews, and he's quite. He's quite. He's just a dude. He's kind of funny. He's kind of charismatic. But then you'll see him do something like. There is nothing like him. Like, there will be blood character. Right. Daniel Plainview. But you still don't know if the interview is him. Because... Well, I Hollywood think it is. Because I think when you watch the Jonathan Ross show or whatever, and uh, they're into his interview, they're just... Not always. They drop it a lot because it's like... Oh, a lot, it's just yeah. A light but I just thing, disagree. You know, or even if they're on David Letterman or whatever. You know, they... Some uh, of them are there to sell something or whatever, but some of them just go into it, you know? Some, but I don't think... I don't think you can judge how an actor person is really by anything you ever see unless you live with them. I really just don't think, though. Anyway, this is directed by Ben Falcone, and this he is uh, Melissa McCarthy's husband, so wrote by them both, and he's never made a movie. This is his first one, and directing his wife. So that must have been an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, the extras on this Blu-ray, and there are a couple... Not not a ton, but there are they're all very short. Like so, even if you t- if you total them all up, I bet there's only twenty minutes, like of the whole thing. So there's Tammy's road trip t- checklist, which is actually Melissa McCarthy and um, Belm Falcone, and they they actually went on a real life road trip after this movie was made with their kids, and uh, they just explaining how that went, and that's it really. Yeah, but it shows you the dynamic between them a little bit, um, and then there's some extras, which is. Just like a silly music video thing where she's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not funny, is it really? No. Um, there's some deleted the least thing, The oh, least good. funny things that you and I probably agree are the least funny of the, are the things that a lot of people want more of. Yeah, true. Uh, so they kind of... Yeah. And then there's some, uh, a gag reel, line-a-rama thing, wave-a-rama they call it, but it's her on the yeah. jet ski. And um, Well... Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> and then the deleted scenes are actually pretty good, especially like they, they go to a strip club, which is not in the movie, and then there's one between them two that's interesting dialogue, mm-hmm. which they cut out. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really have that much in the terms of actors. There's no commentary, but um, I think it's about fine for this. Movie, yeah, really. So um, in conclusion, with Tammy, is it is a surprise to me because I expected to dislike it and actually was entertained. If I was laughing, which I was. And, you know, it didn't hit every mark. Could you tell I was liking it? Yeah, you liked it. (laughs) I laughed a lot. I could tell. But it didn't hit every mark for me. I thought it was slightly weaker towards the end for some reason. Like, 
like the whole bit with Kathy Bates, it might have just been Kathy Bates when they all did all that. Party. I agree. I agree. I was just that, like, that this is part, slowing down a bit. Like it's just because it's like that when they were writing it, they needed a, a they needed the movie trick or the movie trappings or whatever you call it, the story trappings of her. Can- What's her turning point, really? Like, yeah, she's been on the strip with her grandma, and her grandma's making her, you know, kind of, like, be responsible for her, but still fucking up. And then what's the thing that's going to, like, flick or switch to be, like... Because you have to have that, right? When you're telling the story about a person. Yeah, the third act. You can't just end the way you started. I mean, you well, can. Well, you can, yeah. And indie movies can be a fine do, story. like, a lot. Not all just indie movies, but, I mean, if you're telling a story about a person, you want to see something, and that was the vehicle... Something had to happen, but I just didn't like the... It was sort of like a... They could have made it more interesting. Like It's like it ground to a halt a bit during that section. Yes. Because it's like, there's this party, and then there's like, they like set fire to the thing, and then it's not not really anything was happening there. It was just like... Well, everything was happening, because she was... The yeah, mother got angry. And... I guess not. There was things happening. But it was less interesting. I, I liked yeah. it better when they're on the road and, and it's just, you know, interesting between them or people they meet. But it just stopped like it's here. And then it kind of skipped to a, another bit, which actually was better again. Yeah. So, yeah, I just... It's not perfect because I did feel it was getting a bit... Oh, it's run out of its idea by now. It, like, at this point, it feels like it's run out its course. And it was only a short movie, so it shouldn't have at that point, but... It's a story. It's it, easy to fall off. It was time. funny overall, I thought. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, that's Tammy. You can pick it up on Tuesday. Next week's Blu-ray pick review... Pick it up on Tuesday. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Jersey Boys, which is Clint Eastwood's new uh, directorial movie. Clint Eastwood still directing movies. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I don't know if I'll... You know, the subject of Jersey Boys, um, it's not really my thing, but... I have to say this like you say, you know, I don't might not be into that or whatever, that the music of those dudes, but Clint Eastwood has done movies where... You weren't into I, rugby either. Yeah, exactly, where I've gone like, oh, I don't know if I'd be into that, but like Clint Eastwood brings something to movies. Like he's direct, you know, he's he's just, he's like Steven Spielberg to me. and I, The quality, it, you mean? Yeah, like it's just... Whatever he does, there's attention to detail. The whole thing is, you know, Jay Edgar. Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. He's, I just think, I just really admire him as a filmmaker. So. Torino. Grand, that was one of my favorite ones. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what he does he with Jersey. a lot of movies in the last 20 years. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. He's hard <laughs> yeah. at work. Like. The Rugby one. Yeah. The Bridges Over Madison County. I think he directed that too, didn't he? Or did he? I can't remember. He was in it. Never saw that one. Um,. Yeah, so next week we'll look at Jersey Boys. Um, but I'm not looking forward to it either. So now I'm going to have to unwind that and say, like, I don't know anymore. I kind of am now because it's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. like, I know that That's I'll, true. I know I, that I'll find something in there. That in- and the thing about him is we know the words they use in Hollywood is he's an economical director, which means he gets to the fucking point and you don't get ten takes and you don't set up for lighting for 30 hours in a row. You... Everything is plotted and planned out ahead of time. You get to the set. You do the thing. We're done. We're moving on. He's a very, like, da-da-da-da-da. So the craft of him must all happen ahead of time, and the people around him must be like, we got to be in sync with Clint because you don't slow him down, and you don't mess up the scene, and you don't mess, you get on with it. So there's not like he's sitting there mulling over everything and taking 50 or 100 cuts and then sitting in the editing room. He's more like, 
He's like, he knows exactly how to tell his story, and he's the puppet master. Da-da-da-ding. And so, it's kind of an interesting thing where they all come out. High quality. I guess all. Uh, the ones I've seen. Yeah, everyone know. I've seen. Yeah. I, and I just like the fact that this late in his life, he's making all these, you know, he's getting to make all these movies. Like he said they're going to have to kick him out. He has his own he bungalow want, yeah, he over on, want the, to quit, does he? on the uh, studio lot, remember, where you can make yeah, music. And- we saw that interview <laughs> with him. Uh, that actual documentary. And it, it was like... um he won't stop making movies until he's dead. Like, he literally, like, I'm just going to make them. If I can't walk, somebody will push me around. Like, it's... So, yeah, that is awesome. Um, movie recommendations this week. I am going with... Change. Changeling. Changeling. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just amazing. <laughs> so, um, I'm going with uh, some based off Tommy. Not based off Clint Eastwood. <laughs> but I'm going with Due Date, which stars... Um, you mean do. Date like D U E as in yeah, it's not about the Jewish people. Due date of a birth. Due <laughs> um, date. That's just how but I say. It. That's how British people say due. But it's due date with Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. He was really funny in that. I, yeah, I, I, not a massive kind fan of him. Of, but not I found him really funny in it, and that was the it was the dynamic between those two on that road trip, which is the same as this movie. Really, the dynamic of these two. But um, yeah, it's a funny movie. It was out a couple of years ago. And Jeff, who lives at home, which is by Mark Duplass and his brother. And that's just... It just had a really awesome... I remember the ending part. Like, remember? No. The, off the bridge? No. It's just really... Nice of you to tell everybody the end. No, it doesn't really. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really explain anything. But it's a, a really sweet movie, but very funny at the same time. It's just got this sweet... Ed um, Helms from The Office is in it, as well as Jason Segal from... Uh, you call it, you say from Muppets. <laughs> from the Muppets. Wasn't he also... Sarah Marshall. Saving Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> oh my god, why did I say <laughs> saving Sarah Marshall? And mine are obvious. Obvious ones. And I don't. I was just being really lazy, to be quite I like honest. How, I like how you... Bridesmaids. Because of obvious reasons. To go back and watch it again, or watch it and to see that... We're in that era of those kinds of grown-up wet, weird comedies, but that really tap into a middle-aging 30 to... between 30 and 50-year-old things. You know, like 30-something and the old old 80s TV show 30-something was hitting on that. You know, you've got a couple kids maybe, you're trying to make a business work, and you identify with it, and that's what these are. Also, Terrible Bosses, which is... Horrible Bosses. Oh, is it Horrible Bosses? Yes. <laughs> That's, that's, I was going to say that's the Different sequel, movie. but it's not, because Horrible Bosses 2 is Different the sequel. <laughs> Terrible Bosses is the cheap version, the straight to video, no, Horrible Bosses. <laughs> and it has some fun, like the overall story, it's kind of wacky, and but weird enough that I did enjoy it. And then the other one is Cedar Rapids, because that was actually a more grounded, but wacky, but fun and sweet. Yeah. All of it combined, I think... It, of all of these, Cedar Rapids and possibly Tammy and Knocked Up kind of, you know, I mean, they sort of have the better or the Rudd ones. Paul, yeah. The other one. Paul Rudd and his woman and that one. Uh, 40. It's 40. Turning this 40. is 40. This is 40. That was really good, that. I it was. It. So yeah. um, there's another one I can throw at you. True. All right. So games and a scully stuff this what week. What do you reckon movies for us? that are directed at our demographic are going to be like in 20 years. Because we've grown up in the dawn of 
this kind of entertainment. Movies were huge and everything even before we were born, right? But we're talking about 70s, 80s, 90s. You're talking like Judd Apatow aims it at our demographic Not just him specifically. No, I mean those kind of... So like when we're 80. Right. So like in the 70s, you didn't make movies for 80-year-olds because 80-year-olds didn't grow up with movies. I don't... Actually, they don't make movies for 80-year-olds today either, do they? Right, because 80 years ago, if you think about it, well, there were people being raised up on early, but they, it wasn't a cultural thing then, necessarily. Like, around every corner. I don't know. 80 years ago was what? Ugh, how many? <laughs> oh my like, God. The 20s and the 30s. Yeah. Right? 30s. Yeah, people weren't, people were into movies, but it wasn't the same. Every time you picked up a device, you couldn't watch your favorite puppet movie, Muppet movie or a horror movie. It wasn't, there weren't loads of genres or anything. So. I like to say all movies are for everybody, but there are certain movies that are aimed at a specific thing, aren't they? You Absolutely. Know? Like the Hannah Montana movie is not aimed at me. It's aimed at a very specific audience who will enjoy it, right? And then Yeah, also- but Frozen isn't aimed at you either, and you loved it. No, true. So you never, you don't know, but it is, they do... But they do kind of span, like, 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 let's say Toy Story. It's aimed at everybody because we all have played with toys and we Right, but they're that. pointing at us. Yeah. And saying, you remember playing with Mr. Potato Head 30 yeah. years ago, 40 years ago, because you were a sketch. kid. Yeah. Right, because they were the thing, they were the shit back then in your life. That is pointing at me. Yeah. And saying nostalgia. So when we're 70... Which is 30. Oh my god, it's only 23 years away. <laughs> Will there be these movies where, because we're growing older and we're identifying with all the weird shit that happens when you're 70 in life. Right. And now we get to go see a comedy or a horror movie or a drama that's directed at us. Hmm. Us, meaning, you know, demographically speaking. So I think it'll be very interesting. We'll be doing reviews then, I'm sure. So stay tuned. <laughs> and I I say, like, when you're 70, most people who are 70, who I've spoke to, say, oh, I don't feel any different. I'm just older. Like, I, and inside, I still want to watch Like the Susan Sarandon character. Yeah. But then you meet people who exactly fit what you think the 47-year-old should be. Yeah. I don't fit that. Because all my life, I've never thought that 47 was in my grasp. You know what I mean? I don't sit... And this isn't true, because when I was healing my foot up in those early weeks, I did sit and watch quilting shows and knitting shows. And I don't know if that's supposed to be what you think of a nearly 50-year-old woman. It's very old-fashioned to think that. But I think we all still have some of... When when I think of my great-grandmother and my grandmothers, they seemed age-appropriate. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the lines blurred more now. I agree. Or we're moving it up, 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 up. Like, my mom doesn't seem to me... Your like mom sat here and watched The Hunger Games this week. Exactly. And enjoyed she it. That's it. not aimed at your mom, The not Hunger only, Games. Not only did she watch it, she was like, I want to see that movie. She Can said to me, she movie? said, uh, thanks for letting me watch the movie. I was shivering at the end of it, she said. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was excited by oh, it. She was into it. She but well, what that. I mean is, that's a young adult novel that is aimed at young adults, right? And your mom, a 73-year-old... Thoroughly enjoyed it, right? But here's so, what gets her, right? She likes the... The concept. Standing up for... The, yes. Yeah. The concept of the underdog and the big brother thing of being oppressed by a big, big thing and how Just people, she wants to get the shit out of that. Uh, could explain a lot about my personality as well. That she loves that and she has always been a huge connection with younger people. Like when I was a teen... All, always. So... 
she kind of blurs that maybe that's she's the beginning of this um what i think of as a changeover you know yeah because it's not like your mum sat there watching um andy griffith show she's not sat there watching that because that's what you know what she would probably sit there for about five minutes and get up and start walking yeah. around and be like well it was funny 50 yeah, years ago but you don't need to keep <laughs> Whereas i can sit and watch a marathon of andy griffith yeah <laughs> no <laughs> but I have to have my laptop there so I can do other stuff while I'm doing it. So, All right, so games and A. Scully stuff. What came out this week was um, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, which is... I actually lost count, which is interesting. I'm the biggest Call of Duty fan, but I've lost count. It's Call of Duty... Is it eight? Is it seven? Is it... I don't know. It, um, I'm thinking it's quite a high number by now. Probably nine. Um, but Call of Duty Advanced Warfare came out this week, and um, people were saying... Oh, I think Call of Duty's done. Like, um, what, you know, this year they're probably not going to sell very many. Like, it's all down the sales and the game kind of was crappy last year, which it was Call of and Duty. You love it. Yeah, I love you it. Love and it. Call of Duty Ghost last year, I dropped off it very quickly. I stopped playing it like within, I think I played it for three months and then stopped playing it, which, which is really abnormal for me. I usually play it the entire year. I <laughs> am what you call. A Call of Duty widow during most of yeah. the months when you went fresh, and that didn't seem to no. Happen. And I I just dropped off last year, and I, I didn't even buy the expansion packs. I st- I just didn't buy them. I wasn't interested. The game wasn't good enough. Like it was just uh... so this year, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare is Sledgehammer Games. You know, because the what they have now they have three Call of Duty studios who make Call of Duty in rotation, so they can always have one every year because three studios are making a different game. So this is from Sledgehammer, this is the new one. And this is set 50 years into the future for the first time, pretty much. It's not... Ghost was a little bit in the future, but this is really in the future. So it's advanced warfare tech. And that's what makes it really exciting. And the big change is, you've got a jetpack. It's not actually a jetpack, it's an exoskeleton, that's what they call it. So if you listen to our review of Edge of Tomorrow, which we watched the other week, it's similar to what they were. It lets them jump higher, punch harder and run faster you know it it just makes the human body do things it shouldn't do so in this game you can jump you can boost up onto a roof you know a, a normal human being can't jump onto a roof but in this in this you can jump now onto does a roof. that because you've always talked about how it's based in reality all the time yeah it's gone away from that completely but does that bother you or does that well, do you get bored with it well it's interesting because it's still based in reality because they didn't go like super sci-fi with it. You can't fly. They went like, hey, in in 50 years, what would military tech be like? And they based it on what it really, you know, what they think it would be like. And it, so it's not super over the top. It's not like an x-ray camera that can see through a wall and you can just shoot through the wall and kill somebody. It's not that far. Um, even though in the, in the campaign, there's this gadget. They walk up to a wall and and your commander says the hostage is inside that room, but we can't see. They put this thing on the wall, like a piece of cloth. Press a button, and automatically you can see through the wall. And they can highlight the the targets behind the wall, and then actually shoot through the wall, which is like you can't do that in multiplayer because it would be unfair. Right. But in the in the single player, you can do that. So there are some really, it's like cool James Bond moments. I I think like where they just do crazy. Oh wow, that is that is crazy. So. The the story um, portion of the game, uh, I've not actually finished it yet. I'm still playing through it, but it stars Kevin Spacey, which is no secret. They've they said that Kevin Spacey was going to be the star of it, and you know he's really good in it. It's like 
you forget that you're playing a game and it's like, oh, wow, is it Kevin Spacey is there. Kevin Spacey also hits into that category of people who kind of think that everyone is just going to fall fall in love with him because he is who he is. Like, he's good, but he's also very of, I'm Kevin Spacey. Duh. No, I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen House of Cards, and that's the mm. recent thing he did. Um, and what everybody, when I've been reading reviews of Call of Duty, they're like, oh yeah, he's just doing House of Cards guy in this game. Uh, that might be, be just because they've that's what they've seen recently, so it seems similar. But yeah, he's this megalomaniac kind of guy who's just like all for himself, you know. He's, right. he's this he's a Tony Stark type of dude, but you know, a bit more sinister than that. Um, but the story is really cool. It's like this 50 years in the future. There's this war going on between North and South Korea. And then Kevin Spacey's company is this company that makes weapons, like really advanced, well, advanced warfare, advanced weapons, you know, and these exosuits and these cool grenades and all this stuff. And he's selling it to different countries, but he doesn't really care who he's selling it to. He's just there to make money. So he's actually making things worse. And that's that's the political comment, isn't it, on these, um, if you privatise warfare. The motivation is money and it not will be fairness. Worse. Yeah. It will end up being worse because everybody's going to be have access to everything and it will just get used willy-nilly and things will, you know, eventually go to shit. <laughs> and that's what this story is trying to tell you. And it's a really cool story. It reminds me, and it's just like a Michael Bay-like action movie. It's like... One, you know, here's a, a mission. You're going to be blowing stuff up. You're going to be jumping from this to that. You know, you've got this um, jetpack now, so you're probably going to be thrusting through the air. They've got this tech where they can just do this with the gloves and they clap their hands together and then you can just walk up a wall like Spider-Man. Which actually, I was like, hmm, is that possible? And that is actually possible now. The military do have some gloves that you can go up a wall. They've got like suction things on them that actually... They motorize suction cups that suction and they can go up glass. So right. an SAS person today on a special op could actually walk up a glass building, which is like insane that that actually exists. Um, so yeah, it's based around this. Now, what I buy Call of Duty for is the multiplayer. Um, pretty much like the story, you know, it lasts six to eight hours and then you're pretty much done with it. But the multiplayer is the one of the only games I can literally sit and play all year. Like, I can pick it up, play a few games, put it down, just keep playing it and playing it, you know, and they put out season pass so you can get new maps. Now, this exoskeleton thing just changes the multiplayer incredibly. It's totally different. There's, it, it fixes what was wrong with Call of Duty and what was wrong with it over the last few years is people started camping, like, they became a sniper, they mm. lay down on the floor, they, they, they got their little spot, they laid there, and then everybody else suffered because of that. Because That'd be they, me. Because there was five guys just winning the entire game by never moving and just finding a really good spot and lying down. And that's called camping in a game. Now, when you add a jetpack, camping kind of, it doesn't really work because the snipers, it's really hard to snipe somebody who's flying through the air. Like, if they're just walking... No, like that. Someone can fly up and go, oh, there's this sniper. And just land on them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because you actually have a move where you thrust up into the air... You look downwards and you hold your square button and you come down with such a crash it kills somebody. Like it's like a uh, like a stomp, like but it's using your exoskeleton. So yeah, you can see the sniper because you're up in the air. It's easier to see them lying down on the floor, and then you can just dive on dive on top of them. So it, it kind of fixes the sniping thing. And what I've noticed is 
there are sniper rifles in the game, but I never see anybody using them. They're, they're using... So it makes all the combat, like, close combat. Everybody's running at each other, flying at each other. It makes it exciting minute to minute rather than just, where is everybody? Oh, yeah, they're hiding around the corner. You know, like... So it fixes that, and that makes it really cool, I think, because for years, that camping thing has really annoyed me. It's like, I'll be playing the game, and then I'll get sniped. And I'll be playing the game, and they get sniped. You know, and then I'll be like, what? I don't even know where these people are. And then when you see the kill cam, when it shows you who killed you, they're just lying in a bush. Like, that's where they are the entire game. That can't be that interesting for them either, really. Not true. That's like you saying it's not interesting for me to do the, use the money cheat, because then I don't have to try for anything. But it isn't, because the thing isn't about buying the thing. It's like the the longevity of it. If you're killing everybody else, you get to not have to die and come back and come, I mean, back, and come back. I mean, yeah, you're doing awesome. Not just the stats, but I mean, you literally don't have to... You can enjoy the whole of what you're doing and not get killed and come back over and killed and go run and run and run and run. I'm not saying that's everyone's motivation, because some people are probably just statistically minded, but... For me, it isn't like, oh, now I can buy every item in the game, done, because I'm money cheated. It's more like, okay, now I can just chill, and it's a different kind of game, obviously, but that's my, I do cheat in my Sims, I don't give a shit, but I'm not playing against other people, so that's where that can get a little tricky. And I said to you this afternoon... Where you kind of pad your own success and other people fail because of it, that's not really fair. What I think about this Call of Duty, though, and I was playing some multiplayer this afternoon, and I said to you, this game's like The Sims for you, for, for me. Because yep. as soon as the city says match starting, and then it, the thing is 10, 9, 8, and counts down, I'm excited, like, every single time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Um, and the, the minute-to-minute play in this game, because it's so fast-paced and everybody's jetpacking and the guns and everything are made for fast movement, I said to you, it's the kind of game that makes you like your anus clench up. <laughs> like you're, there's like, none of that in The Sims. <laughs> like there's there's a tenseness to the whole thing. Like you're like, oh, you know what? So, there is because when your house catches on fire, it's like no, 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 because everything I've yeah, just like done that, for the last four hours is going to be thing. gone. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, everything's moving fast, and it's like, oh, I've shot this guy, and then I'm jumping up here to get out of the way, and there's another guy there, and there's, you know, you get this feeling of, like, it's like an adrenaline feeling, you know, when you when you get on a roll with it. So, um, I really enjoy it. Um, I don't know if it'll change the minds of people who hate Call of Duty, because apparently it's cool to hate Call of Duty, you know, it always has been for a few years, because it's the big thing. There's a lot of people who think it's stupid and hate it, but, um, if you like big multi-million dollar campaigns, which this is, you know, it's like this, it's just huge. Every single moment there's something blowing up or something crazy happening in the story. And if you like crazy multiplayer where, you know, you're jumping around from roof to roof and you're sniping people and killing people and throwing crazy grenades that home in on people and, you know, it's all this crazy future war tech, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, it's out now. If you play it this weekend, it's double XP um, for the multiplayer, so you can... I've actually prestiged already. That's how much I played this game this week. I um, They did this Day Zero promotion where you get the game a day early, and they turned on double XP. So double XP was on Monday and Tuesday, and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So there's been five days of double XP this week. Uh, that won't happen, you know, very often. But... Okay, that happened in life. 
Yeah, like double. you get double XP at work and you're making double the money every single for no reason. It just I guess happens. holidays is double uh, XP. <laughs> uh, it's only time and a half, and we don't time. get extra money where I work. You don't get extra money. You just, just get, get time. time. Yeah, double that's time. kind of XP because then you can take the day. Yeah, and you can do use you the want. time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare. It's out on Xbox One, PS4, PC, Xbox 360, and PS3. Obviously, the uh, PS3 and the Xbox 360 versions. Using an awful lot of abbreviations there. Don't look as good. (laughs) I'm playing it on the PS4. It's silky smooth. There's no... I saw loads of things like from IGN saying like it's got really bad frame rate and everything. I don't know what they're talking about because I'm a real expert on Call of Duty and I see nothing. There's no slowdown. How many... I've played them all. Every single one for hundreds of hours like every one, right? So if there was something wrong with it, I would immediately know, right? I don't see anything wrong with it. So, what I've learned this week... And you played on both platforms. Yeah. And what I've learned this week is IGN and people like that, they like to sensationalize a story and then everybody runs away with it. Oh my god, I'm shocked. Are you saying that in the gaming world and on the internet that people like to bullshit everybody? Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit going on this week. Oh my god. And wait, you know what the flip side of that is? Is that people fall for that shit. And quickly, before I finish this off, um, the PlayStation Plus uh, free games went up this month. Um, and the highlight of this month's one is the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. And uh, it's a... If you remember Smash TV, it's like a dual stick shooter. But the premise is awesome. The premise is, there's this little boy called Isaac and he lives with his mother. And his father's dead. He just lives with his mother. And his mother's a devout Christian. And... He lives with her and he grows up with her and everything's really nice and he plays his video games and he draws in his coloring books. And then one day, God speaks to the mother when she's sat watching TV and says, you need to kill your son as a... Um, so this is a Bible story. Like a sacrifice to me. Like, like you I mean, just, that's what it is. Like she's told to... And he's a little boy. This is the story of Abraham. Right. Uh, so... She picks up a knife and she tries to stab little Isaac in the head, who's like nine years old, right? Um, and this is he, a cheery game you're talking about. <laughs> he runs into the basement and the whole game then, from then on, takes place in the basement. And it's like a top overhead view. You can see Isaac and he's drawn like a, he's like a comic, like a cartoon character. He's like a comic, like a, it's very odd art style. And all the enemies are like, like poo monsters and vomit dudes and it's all this weird horrible stuff now i think personally that it's in his mind or something we haven't even seen it yet i've played played it it. i've been playing it all week oh right i think personally it's like in his mind or something this basement because you know there's weird shit in the basement like there's a poo monster he has to fight and there's he picks up poo as a power up and there's a vomit, a girl that vomits. Are we vomits. saying there's a parallel between a woman who thinks some entity is speaking to her to kill her son and some boy having the imagination to think of a poo monster? True. Yes, there yeah. is. So this is the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. It's actually free if you're a PlayStation Plus member. I mean, you've, played, you've paid for your PlayStation Plus, but it's the, the one of this week's, this month's free games. Um, <clears throat> if you like twin stick shooters and you like weird storylines, I think you'd like it. So that's it. What's for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight for dinner will be what in our country we call leftovers. And in your country you call bubble and squeak. Because yesterday I made curry 
we were boiling some potatoes. You gave me this game. I started playing it. The potatoes, Suffered. of course, got overcooked. Yeah. So they became leftover Mash. mashed potato. We recooked the potato so everything was fine and the curry was delicious. So today we're having I recooked the potato. Bubbling, bubble and squeak, which means you take old mashed potatoes, old, like from the day before, and you mash that in with other things vegetables. like vegetables and whatnot and some... We're going to have some dried onion in there. Brussels sprouts flavor. are amazing in them. That would be good. But we, we don't, don't have any of that. We have leftover vegetable. We have some veggie sausages or veggie burger, I think, would be kind of good with it. So you mash that up with that. You make little patties, right? Or you can just scramble it up. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I like it in pies. For some I'll try, but no guarantees that it'll stay together. But you, know, you just brown it in the pan, heat it through, and it sounds... Delicious. It is, because it's just leftovers that are fried Anything up in the pot. potato. I mean, I just have no problem eating potato in any form or shape. So talk advice, as you can see, is blank. So I don't know if I have any advice necessarily, but it has been mentioned to you recently that I seem to be <laughs> the type of person who will just say whatever I yeah. actually think, and I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about my opinion. This is true. Now, I know how to balance it out. So like Tommy. I'm not exactly like that, because I don't, I'm not, like, naive about things. I don't think. And she seems a bit naive, more naive than... And, and, and aggressive also, you know. She's kind of aggressive sometimes. She's angry about it. Yeah. Now, I was angry in my 20s, maybe very early 30s, but barely. I mean, barely into that. Now it's more like, um, I actually have shed that thing of, I need approval. I need you to... Um, sit across the table at lunch with me and everything I say, I need you to think how cool and wonderful and smart and intelligent and how well-balanced I am and that if I were to say anything that would rattle that, I would be devastated. I don't have that because I don't give a shit. I care about certain people's opinion of who I really am. I'll say that. Like, I have friends. I have friends I've had for since for 40 years. I've had friends my entire life because she's two weeks younger than me and we've been cousins and friends obviously our whole life. Those are, and then I have friends from recent 10 to 12 years and eight years, you know, like that you make along the way that I actually care that who I am matters to them. Now that's different than wanting to impress them or sell them on some bullshit that I agree with them when I don't or make them feel good about themselves when I just want to dish up the the honest answer to their question about their relationship or their dress or their hair or whatever it is. I don't want to bullshit them. That, that's the theme here is <laughs> bullshitting. That's not giving a shit and not bullshitting people. However, I have situations where I'm <laughs> with individuals that the personality type combined with all the personality traits and their behavior, it puzzles me so that I, I actually hit a brick wall of interacting with them. And it doesn't, like, make me lie to them about things or say things I don't mean, but it blocks off a lot of this thing that I have about me where I'll just say, like, well, well, you think that going to church makes you a better person, and that's not true. Like, I can say that to people who are fervent hardcore, Christian, whatever, people I know are mostly Christian, Catholic, Baptist, that kind of, that branch of the whole God thing, right? And I can say, but going to church, physically going to a building doesn't make you a better person. And that person believes that. 
and they love me and I love them and we can discuss it and you, you feel a little weird and uncomfortable, right? So I can say all that. Then there are these people that I hit a brick wall. <laughs> like the thing comes out, it's coming out of my mouth. It's coming into over my tongue and it stops because I just think, A, I don't care enough, right? To break through this wall. I don't, I don't care enough to invest in this conversation that we're about to have when I'm about to say something that I know that you are not going to like or that you're not going to agree with or that you think I'm hurting your feelings when I'm not. All this kind of stuff. And I stop. And then I feel like a hypocrite because I'm like, why can't, why can't I just say that to you? Why can't I just let it out like I do with the mm. people that I love the most? And that's the answer. The people that I love and care about the most are the ones that I'm willing to say to you, and I said it to my niece just last week in a very long conversation about herself and her interactions at work and her perception of things at work, and I tell her straight up about her behavior. I'm not always, she even said at one point, that's harsh. I said, I know it's harsh, <laughs> but here's my answer to that. I want, I love you more than I need to protect you from me. If I don't tell you what I think is the truth, then that's not love. I mean, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. She knows I'm not like trying to push her down. I'm actually answering her questions about herself. What do you think I should do? What do you think is the problem? How do you think people see me? These are questions that some people ask and they want you to tell them what they want to hear, right? They want to hear back the good answer. So that they can go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I'm fine. I'm actually fine, aren't I? And it's everybody else. It's the whole world. That's my problem. I don't do that. If I actually think that, I'll tell you that. If I love you enough, I'm going to tell you. And then other people that I care about, I just don't know how to approach. Because I don't, I'm like, ugh. I have a niece, I have a nephew that I wouldn't know how to have a conversation because I'm so blunt. And he's not, he's not acclimated to that and I love him equally but it wouldn't work I maybe could have if it was a really long conversation I could like ease into who I am and so it's a hard balance but what you hear on this show if I say something about religion because I don't believe in it I believe that it has value to some people yes because it's ideas and philosophy it can comfort and make people feel better about things. No problem, because I have that too. If I sit at this Sims game and get lost in it and it makes me feel better about life, that doesn't make it bad. It's it's alleviating something or it's helping me think about something or constant, not constant, whatever it is. That's how I see religion. It's like reading Harry Potter or the Bible. It's the same. I have no problem saying that. Because if you don't agree with me, I don't. that's fine. I'm not trying to change your mind. So when it comes to saying things and I don't give a shit about what people think, that's a fair assessment. But I won't have a conversation with you and intentionally try to, like, drag you down or put you down or hurt your feelings. If that's the end result, then let's keep talking right. and let you find out more. Because it's usually your own fault. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, it's not, not always. <laughs> My filter isn't always there. And the thing is, the more I care about somebody, the the bigger the holes in the filter get. And I know that that seems opposite to what a lot of people would think, that they would be more tender and more more delicate with the people they do love. And I think I end up being kind of the opposite. Not mean and hateful, at least not from my perspective, but 
you know, here's my biggest advice. If you don't want, okay, if the answer you want to your question is what you already want to hear, then don't ask me. Right. <laughs> I think, does that, does that round it That's off? That's the advice. There we go. I got there in the end. All right. You might want to edit some of that out. It was very long. So I'll remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com and sitar.com. You can catch us on social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed, just aschoolie.com. Click on the word podcast. You can also subscribe on the iTunes Music Store, which I know most of you do. And stitcher.com. Just search for after the show. We're on there too. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sidtalk. She doesn't want your shit. <laughs> And finally, stay classy, Mr. Dan Aykroyd. Oh, they were going to say Kevin Spacey. <laughs> no. I was trying to read your mind. Dan Aykroyd. Not seen him for a long time, and it makes me want to go and watch Ghostbusters. It does, because it was so, it was a fun one. And I'm going to say, what am I going to say? Think for yourself, or someone is going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>